Hey, I'm Nick Armstrong, and this is Dear Fort Collins, a podcast where we explore issues in and around Fort Collins. And right now we're in election season. And uh, I've got a guest with me today who is got a really inspirational project, and I will let him tell you all about it because when I heard about it, I was fascinated and I knew I had to have him on the show. So Rick, welcome to the show. Introduce yourself, please, you. and, and tell us what you're doing. Uh, oh, it's not so great, Nick. Come on. I'm an 81-year-old guy who, because I have some perspective and have been involved in efforts to help our political system do a better job of serving its citizens, and on my watch, I've been pretty disappointed. It's getting worse and not better on my watch, and I don't, I don't feel very comfortable for the direction it's heading our country. So I decided that one little thing I could do uh, is to mount a walk that would go from the West Coast across the country at the rate of 50 miles a week, 10 miles a day, five days a week, heading to Washington, D.C., linking up with activists in states along the way that are trying to make the changes states can make because state States make the rules for running elections on many fronts, not all the pieces, but and uh, see what I could do to lend a little bit of extra publicity that I get and the writing that I can do to their efforts to fix things. So how long have you walked so far? How What's the distance that you've gotten in? Uh, I'm out a little over 1,200 miles. That's about a third of the way. So I got a long way to go. <laughs> and I started, uh, there's actually been a big interruption. I'll explain it. I started October 1st in 2022. And in two and a half months, I walked across California, Nevada, and most of Arizona uh, with events in Las Vegas, events in Phoenix, et cetera. Uh, and then something unexpected happened. Um, the, uh, my sweetie of 31 years, my life partner, Sally was going to come and join me the morning after the Phoenix event. It was a Monday as a, after the Sunday event. And she called with two days notice and said, I can't come. Uh, the, uh, breast cancer that I've been holding back with the first treatment has gotten around the first treatment and it's time for tests. Three weeks later, when we had the test results, it was clear she was in deep doo-doo. And so I suspended the walk, parked the RV that was in support in that 110-degree Phoenix sun for a good seven months of it, and headed home as quickly as I could to be her caregiver. And it did not end well. She died in April. So after we celebrated her life, I then restarted. But I had changed the schedule and the timing and all the volunteer and all the uh, activist events that we'd set up. So we're having to be a little, a lot more flexible right now. So anyways, I restarted about Albuquerque, came north to uh, Fort Garland, then east to uh, Walsenburg. And now I'm working my way up through Colorado City, Springs, Denver to Fort Collins. And I will be too far north this winter to go through the winter. Originally, I was going through, but it was further south. And uh, so I'm going to have to take a four-month break and then restart in April somewhere out on the plains, not too far east of Fort Collins. 
we had a little bit of an opportunity to talk earlier about some of the issues that you are walking for. And the, the, the obviously the divisiveness in our country is a key thing. Uh, what, what can we do as uh, informed citizens to help bring about more positive change, help to uh, bolster our democracy and help to you know establish some of these 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 frameworks that have been damaged over the last couple of years? Sure. Well, there isn't a single simple answer. We have to change enough or all of the broken parts or we won't change the result, which is a very unfair political system. It's not fair for everybody. And uh, adverse incentives. <clears throat> we elect people and they have their incentives changed to put their own reelection interests, those of their wealthy backers, those of their political party to stay in power ahead of the job they took an oath to do under the Constitution to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, We're not doing very well on that one, uh, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, health care, education, our economy, our political system. They are supposed to, on each of these issues that affect all of us, think through what system will best, most efficiently, effectively provide, for example, in healthcare, good quality healthcare to all Americans at the least total system-wide cost in a manner that is sustainable. We're going to have capitalism. Let's not have its worst side effects dominate and shove most of the profits ever upward to an ever smaller number of ever richer people. Let's have it worked broadly for most of us. That's not capitalism's job, but that is the job that our elected reps effectively take on when they take that oath. Same thing with our political system. They take an oath to set up a political system that's going to be just and fair and competitive. And what we've got is, by all kinds of studies, anything but that, especially in Colorado, where you have so many independents, and it's horribly unfair to independents. You, you can't really get an independent candidate to choose from until you're after the primary. And you're two thirds of the way to the general election and media isn't focusing on you until after the primary often. So there's lots we can change. As to how, uh, there are many pieces. We have to fix the money. 98% of us don't give a dime. And I'll talk about ways to do that. We have to fix the primary system. It divides us. It's horribly unfair to independence. And uh, we can do much, much better in that. There are a whole bunch of other pieces. But those two pieces, states have some control over, especially uh, the primaries. So, for example, let me give you one example, and then I'll explain in the primary. Take the controversial issue of gun control. Polls show that about 60% of all American voters, these are national figures, say, hey, we have a Second Amendment right to have a weapon, but it comes with responsibilities. And I won't list them. We all know what they are. And if I use my weapon irresponsibly in a way that takes your life away or interferes with your right to this or your ability to have the same right, uh, I can be sanctioned, 60%. Yet you cannot get 
a single Republican senator and some Democratic senators to take any meaningful action. It goes to the primary system. Out of all 100% of voters in America, what percentage, Nick, do you think will vote in the Republican primary on average? Well, I can tell you that in the city of Fort Collins municipal election, our historic high for the entire city was 36-ish percent. Uh, so I would I would venture a guess that it's somewhere in the high 20s. Okay. You're too high. It's <laughs> 10%. 10% out of all 100%. It bounces around between 10 and 15 over time, trending a little bit higher in the last year or two, but not long term. For the Dems, it's not a lot higher, 15 to 20 percent. <clears throat> and independents don't figure into that. <clears throat> so uh, the reason you can't get Republican senators to do anything substantive is unless they appeal to that 10 percent, they don't get through the primary to get to the general election. It divides us. And similarly, on the opposite direction on the Dem side. So let's change it in a way that works for us citizens. Why don't we do what a few states are beginning to do and have a so-called open blanket primary, put all candidates, including those forgotten independents, in the mix with the Dems and the Republicans and anybody else, and let not 10 or 15 or 20 percent in the various primaries vote, but all 100 percent of us vote, pick four or five, uh, Alaska picks four, Nevada is voting to pick five if they they approve the first constitutional round and they've got to re-vote it one more time and then they'll have it. And uh, then in the general election, use a method that doesn't elect the biggest person with the biggest minority of votes of plurality, but requires us to have a majority of people behind whomever we elect. So it's not about electing Dems or Republicans, it's electing people who have support behind them. That will pull our country and if you made that one change and you had a one issue election, uh, instead of giving this U.S. senators that are Republicans the incentive to please the 10 percent, change this to the other approach. And if they please the 10 percent, they're never going to get to the general election because they've disregarded 60 percent of our views. We need ways to bring us together. And that's one. Uh, and that would be a big one. And you're talking a lot about ranked choice voting in Colorado. Uh, not so much about an open blanket primary yet, but that has an awful lot of potential to move us into the middle and be much fairer and more inclusive. And Colorado voters control that with the legislators. Yeah. So that's one. On the money side, uh, right now, 98% of all Americans don't fund elections. Uh, it's a horrible percentage. 2%, I'm in that, give something. I don't give but a few to several hundred bucks in a two-year presidential cycle to everybody. Nobody calls me. Uh, a good, a couple of cycles ago, 40% of the entire money that went into the whole ball of wax in a presidential election cycle for all federal candidates came from like 2,500 Americans. It, I mean, it's nuts. And uh, that's who you have to call. So change it. Uh, if you took the total cost of our elected elections last time around in 
2020, a presidential year. It was 14.1 or so billion dollars, the whole ball of wax. Divide it by the number of registered voters. It's about 168 million, I believe. And uh, it's it's about 75 bucks per voter. So suppose we funded right out of our federal taxes and we gave a rebate in the form of it could be a prepaid credit card, it could be a voucher to every voter. And in order to get into the debates, you change the criteria so that it's the people who can reach enough voters by virtue of small donations to show their their positions on issues appeal they get to the next platform in a debate so more people can hear them we're not going to like them all uh, and you move it that way now you've rechanged the incentives that candidates have instead of appealing to that tiny fraction of two percent they have to appeal to the interests of a hundred percent of us or a good chunk of it and that would make a big difference that's something states have some control of, not total because of the Supreme Court and the First Amendment rulings, but that would help a lot. Is that, there are more, but is that a starting point that goes far enough? Yeah, absolutely. We and I, you know, we're in, in Fort Collins, we're going to see in 2025's election, ranked choice voting. And so we were we were fortunate to get that on the ballot and it went move, moved forward. Um, and I, I think that there's a cross- uh, you know, when, whenever we're seeing turbulence in electoral systems, um, there's a hesitancy, I would say, to taking m- big swings um, all at once. And so uh, wh- while we have, you know, ranked choice voting um, for 2025, the, the next steps, I think, are also, um, you know, publicly funded campaigns, as you've uh, alluded to, even at the city council level, uh, you know, our contributions from individual uh, uh, donors is a $75 limit um, for district level candidates. Now, if you're the mayor, it's a little bit higher. And so you still have to get a lot of support. Uh, It's a groundswell in order to fund your campaign. Doesn't mean that you couldn't bring in your own funds for some of those things as well. And some candidates do. Uh, and you also have those in-kind contributions that come into play in that. So uh, there's there's a benefit. And we've heard Robbie Moreland talk about this on another episode of the podcast. I encourage you to listen to that. It's it's a really uh, interesting paradigm in Fort Collins because we're, we're just a little bit of the way there. But we if we went the full measure to say, let's have um, publicly funded campaigns and there's a contribution limit. And if you want this, this particular funding publicly available... Um, it, it not only democratizes the field, um, but it also reduces the impact of those uh, larger moneyed interests or other things like that that could come into play in the election, um, even through in-kind contributions or other things like that. And so, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. and I, Let me I, you add know, one other thing that I yeah. know. Coming across the country, I have sort of focused on one item. When I ask as neutrally as I can, uh, voter after voter after voter, how well over the past several decades do you think the majority, it's not everybody, but if we don't have a majority, Congress doesn't act. Uh, How well do you think the majority of those we've elected to Congress are doing? uh, It's really broader than that. It's our state reps too, uh, are doing in 
serving, making decisions that promote and serve our broad public interest, not yours or mine, but for all 330 million of us. Would you believe that there is not a single person in America that I have met yet that thinks they're doing that? Uh, and these are people that go all over the ideological spectrum. There is common agreement at that point. We go in very different directions from there, but they know, we all know. And so we got to fix it. Or the worst case is it isn't going to stay like it is now. It's going to get worse. And uh, we have increasingly made it harder and harder economically for people in America. We got 40 to 60 plus percent of all Americans that work uh, and do not have a penny in the bank. You're a paycheck away from some unexpected tip over into a disaster. That is not a way to bring our country together and build. It creates anxiety. And the worst is that it has gotten worse on my watch of 81 years. And it can't get much worse before people are simply not going to take it. It's going to spill into the streets. I don't know when. There'll be a huge police overreaction. That doesn't bode well for our country at all. So we don't have as much time as we might think. We could lose our democracy in the meantime because we haven't done enough of these fixes. So part of my reason for walking is to say, hey, Americans, if we think this is important, democracy isn't a spectator sport right now. We all have to pitch in or we may suffer the consequences. Earlier, you uh, we had talked, you'd shared a, an anecdote about uh, your partner, who had been part of the the school board and uh, had a particular style for reaching their constituents. Could you share that with us here? Uh, yeah, it wasn't school board. It was legislature. Okay. She was a rep. Uh, and But she had been in the school system. She was a, a music French, French teacher in a school in Vermont. She uh, made a point to go to every house and knock on the door and do her best to meet the resident, the occupants of every house in her district. She did it twice before the election. And she was elected. And then she continued that each two-year cycle. She And I think maybe even through in a third one, she would make that effort. And every Saturday during the whole two years, she would show up at a nearby restaurant that was pretty central for, at nine o'clock on a Saturday and stay until 1030 and meet with anybody who chose to walk through the door. Uh, she set a really high bar. Uh, it was inspirational. And nobody else in Vermont that I know was doing anything quite that much. But it's it's what we would ideally expect in a rep. And and what a great model too to be able to you know emphasize that anyone could have that access to be able to ask questions or to pitch an idea or to talk about concerns. That's getting the, harder to have that access, sadly. Yeah, and I'm, we can we've got all these automated forms, right? And you you don't know necessarily who you're getting a response from from your even state reps in in some cases. Uh, it, it's just really difficult to know if your interests are, are being served or if you are even being heard. Well, you have probably seen the uh, some of the research. Uh, Martin Gillens, Princeton professor back a few years ago, put a book out. Uh, and 
he examined the correlation between the positions on issues that citizens had and what Congress did. And for the 90, he had to work with uh, decimal data. uh, data. So uh, 90% of all Americans' positions compared to the 10%, the top, the richest 10%, the correlation between what Congress did and favoring the interests of the 90% over all the issues over several decades that they did the study was effectively zero. (laughs) The only time that the positions that their reps took lined up with the positions of the 90% is when the position of the uh, 90% and the 10% of the richest happened to be aligned. Like, how did we respond to COVID? Uh, Everybody had a similar interest to figure it out. Uh, That's pretty damning. What can we look forward to hearing from you in person, or what what should we what should we ask you about when you're here in person? Okay. Uh, well, the best way to see more detail on what we're kind of brushing over is to go to the website. May I give the website? It's Please, yes, absolutely. www.fixourdemocracy. Run it all together. No spaces. us. www.fixourdemocracy.us there are podcasts on there on each of these in much more detail than we're covering. Uh, that's a good way if you want to find out more about me. But this shouldn't be about me. This should be about the reason that I am walking. Uh, that's on there, too. Nick, I just want to say thank you for raising issues like this that are pretty broad and important to our country, not just people in Fort Collins. We need lots of conversations like this so that people are thinking about it. And I want may I leave you with one other thought, Please. which is when our media are covering our candidates, let me use an example on health care. Um, the idea is that our media do a wonderful job in covering the horse race of here's what the Dems are doing, here's what the Repubs are doing, et cetera. So take health care. If the goal of our elected reps is to come up with a health care system, regardless of how we do it, whatever one is most effective economically, that provides good quality health care to all Americans at the least total system-wide cost in a way that is sustainable economically and socially. And we have a representative in Washington who or more, hopefully, that stands up and said, this makes sense as our objective. And I, they happen to know that Congress has right now before it two studies that if you put them together, show that we can provide health care to all Americans at the highest uh, of five levels that the Congressional Budget Office evaluated by just keep the same private delivery system. It's capitalistic, uh, but funnel the, a central payment, uh, funnel the money, which gives lots of leverage and efficiency through a single payer source, quasi-government, let's say. Uh, you would be moving a huge amount of money off state budgets that they pay for all their employees, the ins- health insurance of all their state employees now. They also pay for uh, the state Medicaid share 
uh, and that's times 50 states. That money all moves over off the state budget onto the federal. The extra cost to do this is 290 billion once we've switched over compared to our present trends in 2030. The state savings, 800 billion. Now think about that, a 500 billion savings, half a trillion to cover everybody in America and we're not talking about it. We're not, we don't hear about that. So if a red representative stands up and says, this makes sense, we should be working at this. Uh, is that person a con fiscal conservative, a liberal? Are they any other label you wanna put on them? Or are they simply a rep doing the job they took the oath to do? And if that's the case, see how the labels are totally unhelpful in that situation, yet we use those labels in the media all the time. If we push back against that, ask our media to focus on comparing not what the Dems and the Repubs are doing. You know, right now, the Republicans are opposing Obamacare, and Biden is talking about 10 new drugs we're going to negotiate on. Well, hell, why not negotiate on all the drugs? Uh, and if the media would focus on that, we would get, as citizens, their audience, a much better idea of how bad it is right now. They routinize it when they use the labels and they divert us and they uh, don't focus on the real objective and compare what's happening to that. Uh, so that's another way we as citizens can look at it that might improve things. And we can be a little vocal about that. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's especially important in uh, races where the idea of uh, nonpartisanship is, is key, primary, right? So we have uh, all sorts of different positions, including city council, in which case the, the race is nonpartisan. And the first question you get asked when you go door to door is, what party are you? <laughs> I know. Uh, and, you know, uh, I didn't say it was easy. No. But uh, it's important. And if we don't fix it, keep in mind that it's going to get worse and we could lose the whole ball of wax. We could end up with a non without having much control over who we elect and what happens at all. And voter education is such an important component of that, right? So you have to have participation. Education is a component of that as well. And we see as each of the levers to get closer to a, a more equitable system, a fairer system are, are pulled. Uh, education is a key component. We saw that with RCB in New York. We saw that across the, across the board. Uh, it's, it's really a, an education uh, and resourcing question. So the more that we can get at those elements, the better. And I, I really applaud your efforts in, in bringing those uh, uh, efforts to the forefront, doing what you can to educate not only our community, but the entire country as you walk. Uh, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, thanks for spending a little time on it. I appreciate it, Nick, but more important than my, my appreciating it, hopefully people in Fort Collins and that hear you appreciate it.
I am so pleased that you joined us here today. And for more great uh, information about what's happening in and around Fort Collins uh, and in our democracy, because as I said, it's election season, uh, listen to more Dear Fort Collins podcasts, check out all the interviews with the candidates, definitely check out League of Women Voters, all the other different resources, educate yourself on how these processes work and get yourself up to speed on who the candidates are and what they stand for. It's really important that you make an educated vote when you go to the ballot. Thanks for joining us. Good night.